Sunday Showcase, highlighting some of the best audio storytelling found anywhere. All right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated G for general audiences. Once again, it's time for Project Audio. Where voice actors come together via Zoom to present classic radio with a visual twist. Hello, I'm Larry Groby with the Generic Radio Workshop. I'm just taking a coffee break, reading this book, and you know what I think? Radio is not for dummies. I mean, is there anything less appropriate for radio than a ventriloquist act? <laughs> the whole trick is just how clever can one person be in talking without moving their lips? When you take away the pictures, what have you got left? Well, in the case of Edgar Bergen and his dummy, Charlie McCarthy, you had terrific wit and character. They started in vaudeville and continued all the way to a final cameo in the Muppet movie. Charlie McCarthy's character, impish, mischievous, a bit randy, got them a 20-year career on the radio, much of it sponsored by Chase and Sanborn Coffee, by the way. And it turns out you didn't need to see Bergen's lips. He switched voices so quickly and effortlessly, it was like listening to two actors. And in fact, Project Audion will use two actors today to recreate the Charlie McCarthy show. Our trick is that Robert L. Mills is in California and Dwayne Knott is in New Jersey. And we have other cast members in Texas and Illinois, all brought together via Zoom. Thanks to a strong script by Mr. Mills, who wrote for Bob Hope after all, our new episode is as charming and funny as the original shows. And I promise our ventriloquist lips never move when they shouldn't. So. Sit back and enjoy. Oh, I will. Oh, yeah. No, please do. Who said that? Just me. Okay. The makers of Chase and Sanborn Coffee and Royal Pudding bring you the Charlie McCarthy Show. This is Ken Carpenter, ladies and gentlemen, greeting you from Radio City, New York, on behalf of Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Ray Noble and his orchestra, Anita Gordon, Mortimer Snurd, Effie Klinker, Frank Nelson, and our special guest, W.C. Fields. And here are Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Charlie, do you remember what day this is? A Sunday, of course. Don't quote me on this, but if I'm not mistaken, we're on the radio. Yes, but, but it's also the first anniversary of the release of You Can't Cheat an Honest Man, the movie we starred in with you see fields. Oh, that. <laughs> you, you don't sound very excited. Didn't you have fun working with Mr. Fields? Would it have been a lot more fun if he paid me. Paid you? What are you talking about? Turns out you can cheat an honest man, Bergie. He still owes me. 
half of my salary. Really? Well, I'm, I'm certain that was simply an accounting oversight by the studio. Surely he'll straighten it out when he appears on our show tonight. We'll see about that when he gets my summons. Summons? You mean you're suing him? Bergie, if you don't stand up for your rights now, what kind of future will you have? Pardon me, Edgar, but we just got a call from W.C. Fields. He has a flat tire and is waiting at a filling station while they patch it. I'll bet. His flask probably ran dry and he stopped for a quick fill-up. <laughs> Maybe just as well, Ken. Charlie is planning to serve him with a subpoena. A subpoena? You're suing a big star like that? Star or no star, no one is above the law. That old skinflint owes me money. Really? Well, actually, it's a simple accounting error, Ken, but Charlie has decided to take a stand. If not now, when? As the years roll by, our income will dwindle and eventually we'll be impoverished, reduced to dinner theaters, cruise ships, and hosting <laughs> game shows. Well, well, I doubt it will ever come to that, but suing someone is a very serious matter. I really think you should reconsider. Too late. I've already turned the case over to my legal advisor. Your legal advisor? Who's that? Oh, ask him yourself. Here he comes. Mortimer, you're looking very chipper today. Uh, yep. <laughs> I just let the chips fall where they may, and this is where they ended up. Mortimer, Charlie says you advised him to sue Mr. Fields. Is that correct? Um, that's what he tells me. But you know nothing about the law, Mortimer. You haven't passed the bar. No, I passed three of them on the way here. <laughs> Tell me, tell me, do you have any connection to the legal profession at all? Does my great-grandfather Ezra Snurd Esquire count? Well, you never mentioned him. What kind of law did he practice? Oh, he didn't need to practice. He just broke it naturally. <laughs> but, Charlie, you don't know anything about suing people. You're not qualified to handle Charlie's case. Well, we'll just see about that. I'll appeal to a higher court. Mortimer. Mortimer, to learn the law, you have to go to school. Mm, uh, school, huh? Well, a little late for that, isn't it? Yeah, you know what they say. It's never too late to learn. Uh, when they see me, they'll change their mind. <laughs> Tell me, Mortimer, did you ever go to school? Well, tried it once, but school and I didn't get along. Why not? When they rang the bell, I thought it was a fire drill, and I ran home. So, so you were homeschooled then. How did that work out? Not too good. Uh, we found out my folks had bought a dumb house. A dumb house? Now, now I'm sure you're exaggerating. Well, I know it wasn't very bright. Not very bright. Uh, it wasn't the house's fault, though. My folks couldn't afford to pay the electric bill. <laughs> Tell me, Mortimer, what did you study in your dark house? 
study thing. Uh, well, there was history. History, though, that's very good. Ancient? No, just a few months. There wasn't as much of it back then. <laughs> yep. So, studying at home, you missed out on all the joys of school days. I suppose I did, but on the plus side, I never had to play hooky. Yes, and you never got to bring an apple to the teacher either, or tell her the dog ate your homework. No, uh, that may, maybe the dog ate the apple. <laughs> You never got to dip a girl's pigtail in the inkwell. Oh, sounds messy. Uh, don't imagine the pig liked it much either. <laughs> Mortimer, you may have missed out getting a formal education, but you've more than made up for it in many other ways. Oh, I have? Oh, shit. Well, how about that? You learn something new every day. Attention, the court come to order. Order in the court. Superior Court, County of Los Angeles. Department 13 will come to order. Judge Edgar J. Bergen presiding. Be seated. Clerk, uh, please call the first case. Docket number 36841, McCarthy v. Fields. <laughs> is, the, is the plaintiff, Mr. Charles McCarthy, present? I am, Your Honor. And the defendant, Mr. William Fields, are you here? Oh, most assuredly, Your Honor, President accounted for, notwithstanding the fact that my habeas corpus was residing recently in Corpus Christi, <laughs> alongside my corpus delicti. Hyperbole, hyperbole is not necessary, Mr. Fields. I, I just asked if you were here. Yes, an irrelevant inquiry indeed, expertly seeking to determine, for logical purposes of course, the exact location of my res ipsa loquitur. <laughs> he throws more Latin around than Xavier Coogan. Pipe down, you lacquered lumberyard reject. I am attempting to inform this esteemed tribunal that I respectfully decline to make any statements on the grounds that they may intend to inebriate uh, incriminate me. <laughs> Too late. Mr. McCarthy, I'll be the judge of that. And Mr. Fields, you'll have plenty of time to plead the fifth. Too late again. He already drank it. <laughs> Quiet, you termite terminal, before I sick a flock of woodpeckers on you. <laughs> gentlemen, gentlemen, if you don't behave, I'll have the bailiff eject you from my courtroom. I offer my sincerest apologies, Your Honor. I have the utmost respect for the uniform gendarmerie, <clears throat> particularly for that billy club he's carrying. I shall attempt herein to abstain from any unnecessary disruptions. Well, see that you do. Clerk, please swear in the witnesses. Yes, Your Honor. Mr. Fields, please place your right hand on this Bible. Ah, the good book. King James Version, I believe. Knew him well, yes. Real peach of a king. You have beautiful hands, my dear. Have you ever considered a career in the cinema? 
Mr. Fields, Mr. Fields, please remember, this is a courtroom. We demand a certain amount of decorum. Here come decorum. Pipe down, you pine needle pipsqueak, you woodpecker's lunch pail. Mr. Fields, Mr. Fields, I don't want to hold you in contempt, but you seem to have absolutely no idea how to conduct yourself in a court of law. With all due respect, Your Eminence, I must disagree. Contrary to what I might, what I admit might appear trivial to the untrained eye, I actually possess a rich and extensive history of practicing before the bar. <laughs> Not to mention under it. Secure <laughs> that lip blocker, you tuxedo totem pole. Mr. Fields, have you ever actually appeared in court before? Oh, indeed I have, my liege, indeed I have. Uh, why, in Universal Studios, his honor was a crook, I played District Attorney Snidely Slimebeater, brilliantly, I might add. And in Paramount's Don't Squeal Appeal, I played a... No, uh, no, um, I, I mean in a real court, Mr. Fields. Ah, uh, I must admit, not until this talking piano stool dragged me in here, uh... Uh, no. <laughs> well, here we do things a little differently. You'll be <clears throat> sworn to tell the truth under penalty of perjury. Do you understand that? Ah, oh, indeed I do, indeed I do. Uh, cross my heart and hope to die. You already did in your latest movie. Stifle yourself with talentless bowling pin, you carpenter ants flop house. to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Indubitably, my dear, indubitably, as I have previously stated on many occasions, no less austere than this, my word is my bond. Bottled, of course. <laughs> Silence in the court, you overpaid tree stump. How about you? Oh, by all means, I solemnly swear. He swears on his mother's knothole. <laughs> I won't caution you again, Mr. Fields. Let Mr. McCarthy speak for himself. This should be interesting. Now, Mr. McCarthy, I see here you claim Mr. Fields failed to pay you for your services as an actor in his movie You Can't Cheat an Honest Man. Is that correct? It was merely a matter of professional pride, Your Honor. Respect for the ancient and honorable thespianic arts. Could you uh, put that in layman's terms for us? Most certainly, my lord. My refusal to pay him was the inevitable result of his egregious and, dare I say, malicious conduct on becoming a movie star. Egregious conduct? Cavorting. Nay, romping, not unlike a rutting bovine, in his trailer between takes, with no fewer than three, count em, three scantily clad chorus girls. Well, that, that would be, let's see here, a Bambi, Fifi, and Boom Boom? Your Honor, I wasn't cavorting. I was conferring with my voice coach, my makeup person, and my lighting director. Ah, you're caught, you unemployed deck chair. Your Honor, Mr. McCarthy is made of wood. He requires no makeup. 
Is that true, Mr. McCarthy? No, Your Honor. She dabs me with a little furniture polish before my scenes. Ask him about Boom Boom, Your Honor. He needs a lighting director like I need a martini taster. Uh, you light up your way and I'll light up mine. Gad, it's clear I'm being railroaded. This monocled scallywag is a charlatan and a liar. I demand my day in court. Mr. Fields, you are in court. I guess so I am. So I am. And I warn you, if you continue with these gratuitous outbursts, I'll be forced to hold you in contempt. Now, I assume from your confrontational conduct thus far, you deny the allegations of fraud Mr. McCarthy has leveled against you. Thank you, Your Honor. I think Mortimer forgot to throw that one in. And I caution you, Mr. Fields, in addition to Mr. McCarthy's salary, I could assess additional punitive damages as much as triple the original amount owed. Ooh. Well, now, can't you gentlemen bury the hatchet and settle your differences? Triple damages? <laughs> triple damages, you say? Three times, three times what your balance is now. Plus interest. Ah, ah, ha, ha. Have I mentioned, Your Majesty, that very attractive robe you're wearing? Drapes off your shoulders quite beautifully. Well, thank you. My wife picked it out. Now, can you boys settle this dispute amicably? Ah, uh, triple damages, Your Honor. Three times, plus costs. Well, Your Grace, perhaps I have been a trifle hasty in denying the compensation Mr. McCarthy so richly deserves for his exemplary, exemplary performance in my, one of my highest grossing films. And you'll agree to take back everything you said about my arboreal pedigree? Oh, without doubt, my compost compadre, without doubt. I worship the bark you're made out of. <laughs> The matter is settled then. Judgment for the plaintiff. Case dismissed. Uh, with apologies to Humphrey Bogart, this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Here's a way to enjoy the most satisfying coffee you've ever tasted. Get the new improved Chase and Sanborn, an amazing new flavor sensation. You get the new blend now, the richer blend. Try Chase and Sanborn coffee today, and we're sure you'll agree it's the richest, most flavorful coffee that money can buy. That's why people who like coffee best enjoy this new Chase and Sanborn. You get a new wealth of shade-grown flavor, richer, more delicious. And you get it at its best and freshest, vacuum-packed at the oven door. From the trees to your table, the new Chase and Sanborn is the finest coffee. The shade stores extra flavor as the coffee grows more slowly. Then, as soon as this superb blend is roasted, it's vacuum-packed. So now is the time to ask for Chase and Sanborn coffee. Hut, two, three, four. Hut, two, three, four. Company, halt! 
Charlie, what are you doing marching in lockstep like that? Practicing. Practicing for what? Soon I'll be in basic training to defend my country from all enemies, foreign and domestic. Defending your country? What are you talking about? Bergy, the jig is up. The die is cast. The chickens have finally come home to roost. I've been drafted. <laughs> drafted? Don't be ridiculous. You can't be drafted. Oh, why not? Well, let's see. For one thing, you're too young. And for another, you're too short. Too short, huh? Well, tell me, how tall do you have to be to fire a rifle? Well, I, I would imagine taller than the rifle. <laughs> Here comes Anita Gordon. I'll bet she'll give me a proper military send-off. I love parades. Who's getting a military send-off? Uh, yeah, me, Anita. I've been drafted. But Bergen is refusing to face the inevitable. Anita, will you help me bring Charlie to his senses? I keep telling him he's ineligible to serve in the military, but he doesn't believe me. Edgar is right, Charlie. You can't be drafted. You're too valuable to the war effort here on the home front. You've sold thousands of war bonds, for one thing. And besides that, I'd miss you too much. Oh, really, Anita? Really? Would you miss me enough to write me letters every day to read in my foxhole when I'm storming the beaches? Of course, Charlie. But the Army would never put you in uniform. Apparently, General Eisenhower didn't get that memo. <laughs> he invited me to join him on the front lines. It says so right here. Let me see that. This isn't a draft notice, Charlie. It's... It's a notice from the IRS. The IRS? Uh, where does it say that? Right here. See, it says Internal Revenue Service. Oh, I thought that said Eternal Regimental Service. <laughs> uh, I knew I skipped too many English classes. Unfortunately, Charlie, that's sad but true. You obviously weren't listening to the teacher. It gets even worse. We were reading a tale of two cities, and I played hooky after the, only the first city. <laughs> One city played hooky. That's too bad. But you're not going into the army after all, Charlie. Your income tax return is just being audited. No boot camp? No foxholes? Well, no need for that. This is just a routine audit. And I'm sure your tax accountant will clear up any problems. I doubt that. His name is Double Entry Lefkowitz, and he's currently doing 10 to 20 at Leavenworth. Well, that's, that's not very helpful. Tell me, where did you ever meet such a disreputable character? Oh, Double Entry and I go way back to grammar school. Grammar school, you say? Yeah, he's the guy I played hooky with. <laughs> well, you have nothing to worry about. But if you don't believe me, here comes Ken Carpenter. You can ask him. Ask him what? Charlie's tax return is being audited by the IRS, Ken, but he refuses to believe it's just routine. The IRS? Hmm. Say, isn't that the agency that sent Al Capone to Alcatraz? Yikes! 
Alcatraz? I'm going to be Al Capone's cellmate? (laughs) (laughs) Now you've done it, Ken. I'm sorry, Edgar. I didn't mean to frighten you, Charlie. Really, I didn't. I could never share a cell with Al Capone. I don't even speak Sicilian. (laughs) Now, Charlie, you know they'd never put you in a cell with Al Capone. They wouldn't, would they? Capone is so dangerous, I'm sure they keep him in separate from you white-collar criminals. (laughs) (laughs) Enough of this prison nonsense, Ken. This notice looks very routine. Have you ever been audited? Once, when I was announcing the Kraft Music Hall. Nothing to it. In fact, they even let me pay off my penalty with Velveeta. (laughs) Good, and maybe they'll take royal pudding. (laughs) Well, I'm sure you won't have to pay a penalty, Charlie. I'll tell you what. How about if I go to the IRS office with you for moral support? Hmm, fine. The moral of this story is don't cheat on your income taxes or you'll be cornered like a rat. Times have changed since the fairy godmother went around granting wishes. So some of her duties have fallen on me. So what do you wish for, Anita? Royal pudding. Rich, rich, rich in flavor. Smooth, 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 acid. More fresh energy. Sweet, fresh milk. Like Anita, mothers know the magic of milk. It's rich in protein, vitamins, minerals, and fresh energy. Royal puddings give even more food energy than the sweet, fresh milk you make them with. So give your children lots of milk and lots of royal pudding. Children must have food energy for the running and jumping that build strong bodies. A big, delicious serving of royal costs just a few cents. So buy and try royal puddings. Sweet, rich vanilla, smooth chocolate, and mellow golden butterscotch. Royal Pudding. This looks like it, Charlie. The sign on the door says Internal Revenue Service Center. Yeah, but it should say, Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. (laughs) Now, now just relax. This will all be over soon. Let's go in. Pardon me, sir, but is this where the income tax audits are conducted? Well, we're not counting votes for Miss America. Bergie, maybe we should come some other day. Well, this is taxpayer Charles McCarthy. You you sent him this summons. Well, we prefer to call them invitations. Oh, but have a seat, gentlemen. Let's see, McCarthy. Oh, yes, I have the file right here. Good. I'm going to need one to bust out of my cell. (laughs) Careful. We at the IRS are trained to smell fear. Allow me to introduce myself. I am collection agent Boris Reitoff. 
as you probably gathered. I'm Russian. Oh, please don't rush. I'll be in handcuffs soon enough. He doesn't mean that, Mr. Rideoff. He's just a little nervous. There's no need to be nervous. Why, we almost never place a taxpayer in handcuffs. Oh, well, not since Al Capone, anyway. <laughs> and, uh, what's that thumbscrew doing on your desk there? Oh, that's not a thumbscrew. That's a cigar trimmer. Occasionally, I like to enjoy a well-made Cuban. Yeah, so, so does Carmen Miranda, but I don't see her being audited. <laughs> Aren't Cuban cigars illegal, Mr. Wrightoff? Uh, strictly speaking, yes. But I'm with the government, and as you probably gathered, we can do anything. <laughs> Leavenworth, here I come. Oh, very amusing, Mr. McCarthy. We appreciate taxpayers with a sense of humor. Uh, let's start with these uh, medical record deductions. Hmm, now this one looks very suspicious. What kind of a doctor would charge $450? A tree surgeon. With what was the pre-existing condition? Uh, Dutch elm disease. <laughs> he was given a week's medical leave. All of my employees have full medical coverage. Oh, please, enough with the interruptions. I'll get to you in a minute. Oh, sorry, I, I just meant... Uh, now, here, here's another bill, $387. What was that for? My podiatrist. I had an acorn removed. Yes, I, I see here it was performed by Dr. Paul Bunyan. So far, no penalties, which brings us to these dependents whom you've identified as Bambi, Fifi, and Boom Boom. Uh, by chance, might these be showgirls? Uh, let me put it this way, Mr. Rudolph. When you're a sugar daddy, once in a while you have to spread around a little sugar. <laughs> yes, we completely understand. Around here we call them refunds. <laughs> uh, you list your occupation as professional sidekick. Exactly what kind of a profession is that? Uh, not a very lucrative one, or I wouldn't be here. Perhaps, perhaps I can help. I'm Mr. McCarthy's employer, Edgar Bergen. Oh, then you must be the one he sidekicks for. Well, you, you might say that, yes. We've been working together since vaudeville. We have a comedy act. Oh, like Laurel and Hardy? Actually, more like Leopold and Loeb. <laughs> Enough with the wisecracks, Charlie. Mr. Rideoff needs to get on with the audit. Please, Mr. Bergen, I'm doing the interview here. It's clear you're trying to put words in his mouth. And he's doing a lousy job of it. With a touch of that. Let me ask you this, Mr. McCarthy. Did Mr. Bergen pay you enough to set aside a little nest egg for your retirement? A nest egg? Uh, I asked him for one, and he talked me out of it. He talked you out of it? He kept saying, why would anyone want to spend their golden years living in a tree? Is this true, Is this true Mr. Bergen? Well, what I meant was, why would he want to wait for his golden years to have fun? The fact is, Mr. McCarthy has been provided with all the basic amenities of life. Food, clothing, housing. Some food. He's Swedish, so every day it's meatballs, meatballs, meatballs. 
Now, Charlie, you know you're exaggerating. I, I feed all of you extremely well. All of you? You mean there are other psychics? Well, you could say that, yes. Yes, and who might they be? Well, there, there's a Mr. Snurd and a Miss Klinger. <gasps> Wait till I tell Mortimer and Effie you ratted on them to the IRS. Oh, Mr. McCarthy, we don't use that term here. We prefer paid informant. <laughs> uh, the rats prefer it, too. <laughs> Wait till I inform them we're all headed for Alcatraz. Uh, how about shelter, Mr. McCarthy? Does Bergen here provide you with adequate housing? Housing? Does a Samsonite suitcase count? <laughs> suitcase? It's not what it sounds like, I can assure you. Mr. McCarthy has never been without a roof over his head. I think it's exactly what it sounds like. And I don't want to have to tell you again. Let this taxpayer speak for himself. Mm, this should be interesting. Uh, how are you going to get out of this one, Bergie? Mr. Rideoff, I came here in good faith to provide moral support for an employee who was experiencing anxiety over being audited. Perfectly understandable. But somehow, our roles have been reversed, and it's me who's on trial. Well, as well you should be. The very idea of making an employee sleep in a suitcase. <laughs> How does it feel now, Bergie? It seems from what I've heard here today that you paid Mr. McCarthy so little why he had to cheat on his taxes to survive. <laughs> That's right. Keep going, Rydoff. Keep going. You're on a roll. On the contrary, Mr. Rydoff, I can assure you that Mr. McCarthy has always been adequately compensated. Bergen, if these amenities, as you call them, were given to Mr. McCarthy and his fellow sidekicks in lieu of salary, then they're considered gifts. I assume you've paid for your gift taxes? Well, uh, actually, no, but I, I was never told. I, I got bad tax advice. I... Yeah, you sound like another client of double-entry Lefkowitz, whom we put away just last month. Security! All criminals, stop, I say, in the name of the law. W.C. Fields, what are you doing here? Moonlighting. <laughs> Nothing personal, Edgar, but on behalf of Uncle Sam, I hereby place you under arrest. You're charged with fraud, income tax evasion, gift tax evasion, mogo on the go-go, and excessive lip movement. <laughs> if it's any consolation, these are the same cuffs I used in the bank dick. Now, off you go in the paddy wagon. Clang, clang, clang. Nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. Just a routine audit, he says. I'd have been better off in a foxhole. Keep your voice down, Charlie. If we behave ourselves and stay out of trouble, 
We could be released early for good behavior. I can't wait that long. Besides, Double Entry says he'll get us out of here in no time. He's handling our appeal. Free. Right, Lefkowitz? Maybe even sooner. <laughs> And if that doesn't pan out, shh, I've been digging a tunnel. Forget the tunnel, Charlie. You're wasting your time. Leavenworth is escape-proof. Oh, yeah? The screws haven't built a joint yet that can hold Mauler McCarthy. I'll mow him down! Charlie, aren't you forgetting the gun towers? There'll be no match for this. Charlie, is, is that a pistol? No, actually, it's a bar of soap I carved into a snub-nosed 38. Pretty nifty. <laughs> well, I have to admit, it does look real. The guards won't know the difference. And if they chase me into a river, it's ivory soap, so it will float. <laughs> Put that thing away, Charlie. Here comes a guard. Bergen, McCarthy... Step forward. You have a visitor. Thank you, guard. Hiya, fellas. Oh, welcome to our humble dungeon, Anita. Pull up a tin cup and stay a while. Nice of you to stop by. Sorry we didn't have time to change into a fresh jumpsuit. You both look well, Edgar. Everyone on the show sends their best. And you're looking great, Charlie. Well, he should. He, he's been exercising. Oh, thank you, Anita. Their weekly shower wasn't enough, so I went over to the woodworking shop and had myself re-lacquered. <laughs> Say, did you uh, bring the file I asked for? I have it right here, Charlie. Hmm, but this is just a, a folder with some papers in it. I, I wanted a metal file with teeth. It'll take me ten years to cut through the bars with this. <laughs> well, hadn't you better get started? <laughs> I have a better idea. Here, take my hand and I'll show you. Oh, it's so dark down here. You're digging a tunnel? This goes all the way under the wall. Careful, Anita, don't trip on my shovel. Oh, Charlie, I'm oh. slipping. Grab my hand before I fall. Wake up, Charlie! Wake up! What, what happened? You passed out, Charlie, when I opened this envelope from the IRS. <laughs> I remember now. The one that says they're auditing me. No, they're not, Charlie. You actually got an income tax refund. <laughs> when you saw your $500 check... You went into shock, but everything is fine now. You can finally relax. Uh, they, they sent me $500? Hey, now I can afford a real bed and move out of that suitcase Bergie's been making me sleep in. of Jason Sanborn Coffee and Royal Pudding have brought you the Charlie McCarthy Show. The show was created by Edgar Bergen with Norman Paul, Zeno Klinker, and Cy Rose and written by Robert L. Mills. 
Be sure to listen in next Sunday to Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, Mortimer Snurd, Effie Klinker, Ray Noble, Anita Gordon, and our special guests, Ronald and Benita Coleman. Ken Carpenter speaking to you from Radio City, New York. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's our Project Audion episode for this time. Hey, do us a favor. If you enjoyed this show, then click a button to like it. Or comment on it. Or share the link with your friends. We're not looking for money, but we do need you to show your support. So until next time, thanks for listening. Fine chewing. Finish your masticating. <laughs> Can you say Pardon. that on radio? <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me, Your Honor, I was masticating. <laughs> I'm guilty of public mastication. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's what that was. I thought it was feedback. Now, you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic, and live radio drama. So, yeah, either the main mutual audio network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. This is the Mutual Audio Network, where we listen and imagine together. 